Thanks for downloading or purchasing this sermon from Christchurch Forward. To find out more, visit forwardchurch.co.uk or join us on Sundays. This morning's reading is from Colossians chapter 4, beginning at verse 2. It can be found on page 1184 in the Church Bibles. Colossians chapter 4, beginning at verse 2, page 1184. Devote yourself to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversations be always full of grace, seasoned with salt so that you may know how to answer everyone. Tychicus will tell you all the news about me. He is a dear brother, a faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. I am sending him to you for the express purpose that you may know about our circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts. He is coming with Onesimus, our faithful and dear brother, who is one of you. They will tell you everything that is happening here. My fellow prisoner Aristarchus sends you his greetings, as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. You have received instructions about him. If he comes to you, welcome him. Jesus, who is called Justice, also sends greetings. These are the only Jews among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God, and they have proved a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends greetings. He is always wrestling in prayer for you, that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. I vouch for him that he is working hard for you and for those at Laodicea and Hierapolis. Our dear friend Luke, the doctor, and Demas send greetings. Give my greetings to the brothers and sisters at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. After this letter has been read to you, See that it is also read in the church of the Laodiceans and that you in turn read the letter from Laodicea. Tell Archippus, see to it that you complete the ministry you have received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, David. Is that, is that on? That sounds quite loud. It's on, isn't it? Yeah, okay, lovely. Um, do please keep that um, passage open. We'll be um, doing quite a lot of hard work on it. Um, Going to work you hard in our final sermon on Colossians. And um, uh, let me as well add my welcome to Matt. Uh, my name is Rob. Uh, if we haven't met, come and say hello afterwards. I'd love to um, get to know you. Right, let's pray before we start. Um, Father, please, um, as we finish this series in Colossians, would you um, equip us and send us out into your world, a gospel team full of assurance that you love us and full of energy for your work. Please help us through uh, this word, we pray. Amen. Well, I wonder if you've been um, watching much of the women's Euros. I've loved listening to some of the interviews with the players talking about their pinch-me moments 
uh, as their childhood dreams of playing for England are, are coming true. I went to um, a little primary school, Orishmere Primary School, in uh, well, south of Manchester, Stockport, in a little sleepy suburb in the late 80s, when Manchester United were on their rise to the top. And me and my friends would play at uh, break time and lunchtime, dreaming of one day getting onto the team sheet at United. And it, it was never going to happen for me. I was useless. Uh, but there was this one kid at school, Danny Pugh. Boy, could he play football. And sure enough, in 2002, he made his first team debut in the Champions League for United. It was incredible. So surreal to see our friend from little old Orishmere Primary School there playing for United. Now, um, I guess it kind of felt in a way like the whole of Orishmere School was somehow involved, represented. Uh, part of what was happening there at the top table of football. Now, um, very sadly, he was actually sold to Leeds United two years after that. We don't talk about that. It's um, deeply traumatic, and it totally ruins the illustration. But the ending of Colossians, uh, this amazing letter that we've been looking at, is, is carefully constructed to drive home for everybody here that our names are on the team sheet, if we believe in Christ. It's a moment where the Colossians would have seen the, their friends' names on the team sheet going, wow, even people from little old Colossae can be included at the top table of God's work in the world. Now, I say this ending is carefully constructed, and I mean it, I really mean it. This ending to Paul's letter, it's not just being dashed off, he's given it serious thought. You might know lots of um, biblical authors love to use um, structures which we call sandwiches uh, as different parts of a, a piece of literature and build up to a, a, an important center and then build back out, mirroring the pieces that have gone before. If you've got no idea what I mean, listen in, I'll explain. First, there's the bread in verses 2 to 6. Notice Paul talks about his chains at the end of verse 3 there. That's important. We'll come back to that. But in 2 to 6, he's talking about how the Colossians are called to share in his work of getting the gospel out to outsiders. Then we move into the butter layer in verses 7 to 8. Here, Paul is sending news to the Colossians by one of his Gentile co-workers, Tychicus, or Tichy for short. He might have been very big, actually. I don't know. Anyway, then we move in another layer after the butter to verse 9. I'm calling this the Colossian coleslaw layer. I don't know whether you put coleslaw in your sandwiches. You should do. Um, but there you go. Maybe it's a thing from the 80s. Um, but here we see in the Colossian coleslaw layer, Epaphras. No, we don't. Onesimus, sorry. Onesimus in verse 9. Our faithful and dear brother, who, says Paul, is one of you. A Colossian, that is. And then right in the middle, a slice of ham, uh, the meat in the middle, verses 10 to 11, Aristarchus, Mark of gospel writing fame, and Jesus, a.k.a. Justice. Uh, and look at the middle of verse 11. These are the only Jews among my co-workers for the kingdom of God who have been a comfort to Paul. And now as we work our way through the other side of the sandwich, each layer mirrors what has come before. So we get another Colossian coleslaw layer. This time it is Epaphras in verse 12. And look in verse 12. Do you notice the repetition from verse 9? Who is Epaphras? 
he is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, sending greetings. Another Colossian. And then again, another butter layer. This time, two more Gentile members of Paul's team, Luke and Demas. And finally, back to the last slice of bread in 15 to 18, a second mention of Paul's chains at the end of verse 18. Do you see that? Remember my chains? And Paul again, as in the first slice of bread, calling the Colossians to partner with him in his work. Not this time the work of getting the gospel out to outsiders, but the work of, well, sharing teaching with insiders to build them up. But sharing in Paul's work. A sandwich structure. Do you see how carefully then Paul has constructed the ending to this letter? Now, I don't know about you, but often when it comes to the end of Paul's letters, I start to switch off. Sometimes I have that problem in the middle of Paul's letters, but especially at the end of his letters. But, guys, this is the word of God. Thanks be to God. It's inspired by the Spirit. And it's written with care by Paul for our instruction and our feeding. Can you see the care he's given to the structure? We still haven't understood what it's there for. We'll think about that in a second. But um, let me tell you about a book I particularly love. It's written by a professor in the States called Jeffrey Weimer, who got so frustrated with churches finishing their preaching programs before they actually covered the end of Paul's letters that he wrote this book, Neglected Endings, in which he studied all the endings of Paul's letters and showed how all the big themes of each letter are always there, being taught and reinforced in what Paul says at the end. And he goes through all, all the letter endings of Paul's letters and shows how they um, do the job of persuading his audience, all that he's trying to teach them. Now, I don't recommend you buying this book, uh, Neglected Endings. It costs 120 quid on Amazon. And when I got a hold of a copy to help me with this sermon, through a library, mind you, it turned out that Neglected Endings actually neglects the ending of Colossians. <laughs> Thank you, Professor Weimer. But we're not going to neglect it, are we? We're not going to neglect it. You see, this careful structure, this sandwich, it has an important point to feed us with. Uh, by calling the Colossians to get involved in his work at the beginning and ending. Saying, you're working on this work with me. The great apostle, little old you, Colossi, you're totally involved. And then by sandwiching individual Colossians, Onesimus and Epaphras, around his Gentile team and his Jewish team and his Gentile team. Do you see what he's saying? You Colossians, you're full members of the team. You're on the team sheet. You're in the kingdom. And you're called to play your part. Now we're going to break that down into a couple of points this morning. Firstly, know that you are full members of the family. Know that you're full members of the family. If you've been with us um, for any of this Colossians series, you might remember that, well, this is actually addressing the big issue in Colossae, isn't it? They've got imposter syndrome. They're not sure that they are full members of the family. We've seen that as they've looked at their struggles to grow in the Christian life and as they've heard some people judging them and disqualifying them as not proper Christians because they don't obey certain laws and don't have certain experiences that they're beginning to wonder, are we missing out? 
Maybe we don't have full Christianity, full membership. Look, I take it that as we try to live today, believing in a Christ that we can't see, speaking of a Christ that we can't show, growing at a rate that we don't like because it's too slow, that this is something we can all identify with, isn't it? Don't you get imposter syndrome as a Christian? Am I missing out? Is this real Christianity? Now, interestingly, often with these sandwich structures, I say the meat is in the middle, and that really is often the case. The most important thing is there in the middle often. And I take it that Paul puts these Jewish gospel workers in the middle because the false teaching, the people that were judging them and disqualifying them as not true Christians, well, they had a kind of Jewish flavor to them. You can go back and look at um, 2.16 to 19 later and see that um, they were asking them to obey certain food and drink laws, expecting them to uh, follow the Jewish calendar, um, trying to foist upon them certain well, Jewish-flavored experiences like seeing angels, um, the kind of thing you might see in Daniel, uh, the book of Daniel in the Old Testament. And so Paul puts these Jewish Christians at the heart of the structure here to say, look, this is what it looks like to be a true Jewish worker for Christ. Not those people who are judging you. They're not the real deal. End of verse 11. These are the only Jews among my co-workers for the kingdom of God. They have proved a comfort to me. You see, Paul's ministry... Paul's ministry of preaching Christ, building people up in Christ, that is the model. That is the means to be a member. That is the means to grow as a member. And because these Jewish Christians are lined up with Paul's ministry, therefore they're a comfort to Paul and a model of what we all need, in fact. And a comfort to the Colossians. Don't listen to those people judging you. You're really on the inside. You're really on the inside. You can see why it would be so hard if it, the false teachers did have a kind of Jewish heritage. I mean, they are the historic insiders. Don't be confused, says Paul. You're full members of the family. Well, I wonder what stops you sometimes feeling part of the family, even if you're a believer today. Perhaps your ethnicity makes you feel like you don't belong. That could so easily be the case, couldn't it? In a, I mean, we've heard about Neil and Lucy's church, which is so diverse, it's obvious it doesn't matter where you're from, but in such a white British part of the world, maybe if you're not white British, you could get confused and think the kingdom of God doesn't have room for you. But Paul has been clear, and he's clear here at the end. There is no Jew or Gentile, 3 verse 11. Christ, Christ is all and is in all. And look, if any of us here who are in the majority do or say anything to undermine your confidence that you are a full member of the family simply through believing in Christ, then come and talk to us. We need your help for love's sake. Help us love you better so that we don't undermine this reality for you. Perhaps sometimes you don't feel like an, out, a, a, an insider because you haven't been stuck into the right Christian networks. 
Colossae was a, a, a city uh, with two others, Laodicea and Herapolis. We see them at the end, a bit like, um, I guess, Sheffield and um, Rotherham and Barnsley, kind of quite close to one another, but they were miles away from the center of where all the real movers and shakers were. I wonder, do we ever feel a bit out on a limb up here? Could we really be, I don't know, really full, full members of the team? When no conferences ever seem to happen in Sheffield? Most people don't know where it is on a map. Of course, some of you will be well connected in the Christian world. There's no room for superiority if that's you. Just as there's no room for inferiority if that's not you. It's not our connections with Christian workers that get us on the team sheet. It's our connection with Christ. That's what makes us full members of the family. Perhaps for you, though, it's just feeling that there must be more than believing in Christ to being a Christian. Some deeper experience of the kingdom than just believing in the king. Well, look, there is more growth to be had. Did you see that in verse 12? And I really hope that we are hungry to grow. Epaphras is on his knees praying for the Colossians to grow. But as we've seen again and again, Christian growth is driven not by anything more than Christ, but by more of Christ, going deeper into who he is. Growth doesn't come from moving on from Christ, but by standing firm in Christ. Growing and deepening our assurance that through him we are as full members of the royal family as ever we could be because we are connected to the royal son. So Epaphras prays, end of verse 12, that these guys would stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured, knowing that they are full members of the family. Paul describes Anesimus, this Colossian runaway slave here, you see him in verse 9, as a dear brother. In the original, it's literally a loved brother. Just as he calls his team members, uh, Tychicus and Luke, in verse 7 and verse 14, dear brothers. You see, this is more actually than just names on a team sheet, isn't it? This is brothers and sisters on a family photo given us here at the end of Colossians, a snapshot of the royal family where the members of the family love each other across socioeconomic and ethnic divides. And look, as we dish out that kind of love and as we experience that kind of love, it ought to affirm for us all that Paul has been teaching, that believing in Christ, we now belong to his global kingdom. I wonder if you've experienced what Neil and Lucy have been talking about, that feeling of landing somewhere. It's holidays uh, for many of us at the moment, isn't it? Jetting off around the world. Are you the kind of person that likes to go to um, a random church in the middle of nowhere when you go on holiday? I do. Amy doesn't. Big argument. No, not really big arguments. I normally just say, okay, don't worry, it's my job. I'll give you a week off. Um, but it is wonderful when you do, isn't it? And you meet people 
from a totally different place and experience those bonds of love. Have you had that experience? Go and visit Neil and Lucy perhaps and see it in action. And when we experience it, it reminds us that we are part of this global family, not because of anything about us, but because we, because we share in Christ. Belonging to him, you are an insider in God's own royal family. Nevertheless, like our own royal family, Christ's family is a firm. It's a business. In fact, the family is the business, isn't it? Growing the family and strengthening the family. So we move on to our second point this morning. So play your full part in the family business. We're going to focus here particularly at the beginning and end of the passage, uh, verses 2 to 6 and verses 15 to 18, where Paul actually calls the Colossians to, again, share in his own gospel work. Uh, First then, verses 2 to 6. I think it was Dick Lucas who first coined the headings for 2 to 6. He said, Paul here teaches the Colossians to speak to God about people and to speak to people about God. Not a bad summary, is it, of verses 2 to 6. And notice that Paul thinks this is the pattern for him as an apostle and for them as, well, ordinary believers. Verses 2 to 6, then, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Paul thinks the Colossians' prayers are crucial to his gospel proclamation. And yet, he also thinks the Colossians themselves have a role in speaking the gospel. So, verse 5, be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Do you see then, Paul calls the Colossians to play their part in the business of speaking the gospel to outsiders at every opportunity, ready to answer everyone who has a question. Now, I think, I think we need to be clear at this point. Paul is not asking the Colossians to give up their day jobs to preach the gospel. Some might, like Epaphras in verse 12, but they don't have to. Didn't we see last week, Paul the Great, full-time gospel proclaimer has given dignity to whatever your full-time work might be. Do it for Christ, whatever it is, and you will not lose your reward, whether baking or banking, soldiering or slaving. Nevertheless, as you get on with that work, which has its own dignity in Christ, nevertheless, all of us will have all sorts of opportunities to be Gospel conversationalists. Paul's gospel proclamation is public and proactive, but the role of the ordinary Christians is just to be wise gospel conversationalists in private. Sometimes proactive, he says, make the most of every opportunity, verse 5, end of verse 5. Sometimes passive, verse 6, ready to answer people. I assume that's people coming to you with questions. Now, I wonder how you feel about this call to get involved 
in this gospel work. If you're anything like me, you'll feel like I did on the video when I was asked to clean the toilets. I've got enough to get on with anyway. Please, not more responsibilities. After I applied uh, for the job at Fullwood um, a few years ago now, a friend who knew the church well took me to one side and warned me that as far as they could tell, um, Christ Church Fullwood had been worked hard for a long time and was flagging in energy and appetite for gospel work. He offered that tentatively. He wasn't totally sure. But he said this, he, th- he thought perhaps the engine had been run hard and the gearbox was in need of a change. I don't understand cars, so it completely washed over me, but maybe you do. But I don't know, is this true? I'm still getting to know lots of you, and I only really know a small circle of you well, but I, I think you might have been onto something. And COVID hasn't helped, has it? I wonder if the thought of getting the gospel out just feels like a big ask for us at the moment. Well, we need to dig into what kept Paul going and how he tried to keep the Colossians going, don't we? And firstly, it's really clear, isn't it? Prayer, prayer was what kept Paul and the Colossians going. Notice the great apostle Paul with all his learning and gifts and experience coveted prayer for an open door. Verse 3, pray God may open a door for our message. And he didn't stop there. Notice he also covets prayer that when the door is open, he'd have the ability to make the most of the opportunity. Verse 4, prayer may proclaim the mystery of Christ clearly. Do you see, this is God's work. God's work. It doesn't fall all on our shoulders. It's his work. And he's ready and waiting for us to ask for his help. If you're flagging, ask him for help. I love the prayer of um, that great evangelist, uh, John Chapman. He's passed away now, but he used to pray, God, please give me an opportunity to preach the gospel. And because I'm a bit thick, make it obvious. I prayed that this week. And by Wednesday, my neighbor was telling me how he's been thinking about death, found out his neighbor is a, is a, his other neighbor is a Christian, and that he's despairing of people because they're so broken this must be it I thought (laughs) here's my open door nothing to do with me he brought it up let's pray God wants to help us this is God's work you know how do you think you got here wasn't it because God worked you didn't get brought into the kingdom because of well, those people ultimately who told you the gospel, yeah, God worked through them, but it was God's work to transfer you out of the dominion of darkness into the kingdom of light. Let's pray that he would do his work. Prayer. Secondly, notice that our appetite for gospel conversation, I think, can only be sustained by a deep assurance that we are insiders, especially when it's hard. I take it Paul's assurance that he is in the kingdom of Christ, that he is in as a son, that he has that inheritance that Pete was talking to us about that makes every other inheritance pale in comparison. It's that assurance that he's an insider that 
actually makes him seem so unbothered about getting out of prison. I mean, if you were in prison, what kind of door would you be praying for God to open? The prison door, right? Paul prays for a door for the gospel. He wants the gospel to get out. And I'm sure he wanted to get out too. It's just, it's just not his highest priority. Because being an insider relativizes and reshapes the suffering that he's going through. It doesn't take it away. It doesn't mean it's not hard being in prison. It doesn't mean that Neil and Lucy haven't had a tough time and that Julian and Beth, with all their ups and downs, haven't found life difficult. No, not at all. But it relativizes those things. Assurance that we are insiders. Assurance of the riches of our, of our inheritance in Christ. Without that, we actually won't view those outside of Christ as, well, verse 5, what does Paul say? Be wise in the way you act to outsiders. We won't view them as outsiders if we're not sure that we are in. We won't pity them as outsiders and long to bring them in if we aren't assured that we are in and that what we have in here is so precious. And don't mishear me. This is not discrimination, Paul discriminating against outsiders. No, the door is open to everybody who would walk through it. And let me make that invitation to you this morning. If you haven't come into the kingdom, all you have to do is believe in the king. And you too will have an inheritance beyond compare. Look, if we have no sense anymore as we live here in the comfortable West, if we have no longer any sense of being an insider in the kingdom, surrounded by outsiders who are still under the dominion of darkness, then perhaps it is time to strip our faith down, give it a good service and an oil, and build it back up again from scratch. Does the gearbox need changing? Well, finally, as well as growing the family by bringing outsiders in, in 15 to 18, Paul wants us to help grow the faith of insiders. Uh, one of the things I keep hearing as I talk to you, and particularly in the light of this um, brilliant uh, church family survey that we're doing, is that we're not really sure what our vision means when it says growing fullward. Now, I can't say what the original intention behind that was, but I can say what Paul's vision is here for the Colossian church. And for Paul, the Colossians are called both to growing the church by bringing outsiders in, but also by caring for those on the inside already, sharing and pooling, learning with them for their mutual building up in their faith. That's what 15 to 18 is about. Let's read it. 15. Give my greetings to the brothers and sisters at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. After this letter has been read to you, see that it also is read in the church of the Laodiceans and that you in turn read the letter from Laodicea. Tell our Kippus, and thank you for stealing the joke, um, Neil, See to it that you complete the ministry you have received in the Lord. Do you see how involved these Christians are in one another's lives, in one another's churches, as they seek to encourage one another, learn from one another, teach one another? Notice verse 17, partly that involves holding Christian teachers to account. Was Archippus being lazy? I don't know. 
But I do know the Colossian church is to hold him to account. Do you see then, part of your work as the congregation out there is to hold your teachers to account. Get on with your ministry. Hold us to account, please. We need it. We need you. We all have work to do. And then above all here, there's this just delightful picture in verse 16, isn't there? Of Christ Church Colossae and Christ Church Laodicea sharing their letters from Paul, pooling their learning. I imagine giving testimonies about what they'd learned as they read through Paul's letter and studied it. Do you know, it was so comforting reading uh, his letter to us, the Colossians. It really assured us we were in the family. What have you learned from him? We have so many avenues, don't we, for fruitful partnerships of different kinds. I don't really know why Neil and Julian aren't preaching this morning. It would have been a much better idea, wouldn't it? We've got Renew South Yorkshire. We've got the Sheffield Diocese with many Christians in it who aren't necessarily from our tradition. More broadly, we've got conservative evangelicals in the Yorkshire Gospel Partnership all over Yorkshire. Now let's be clear, Paul is not up for the Colossians partnering with every Christian willy-nilly. He warns them off partnership with those who judge them as not proper Christians in chapter 2. He described those people in chapter 2 verse 8 as sort of the spiritual equivalent of human traffickers, people who would take you captive with their false teaching. So this is not indiscriminate. But neither is Paul up for a church that is isolationist, that thinks it can go it alone. I wonder, is that our danger as a big church with many resources, thinking that we've got nothing to learn now from anybody else? We're the church that sends church plants out and sends teachers. Teachers coming to us? Really? That would be terrible. We have much to learn. Well, here then ends the letter of none other than Paul the Apostle, written with his authority as Christ's servant. Verse 18, I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. Remember my chains. He suffered so that this teaching, this gospel, might be made known even to you. Won't you dig deep into it? Won't you learn from it? Won't you retain all that we've been studying in Colossians? Won't you let it give you a spring in your step, assurance in your soul that you belong, that you have all you need as a Christian in Christ? Grace be with you, he says. For above all, this teaching reveals God's freely given gift to us in Christ, his beloved Son, into whose kingdom we have now been transferred. Let's pray. Father, please, if we still haven't yet, please help us to grow in our assurance that we are full members of this amazing family of your son. And please, delighted by that fact, would we be spurred on in our work for his kingdom. Amen.